With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What? Hey. We back. Hey. It is episode 105. What is good? Left go, Sims, Fendrick. Five. The first one that came to mind for me is Donovan. Uh, what other good fives do you have? Uh, the first, when you just said five, uh, the, the, what was the, the bust quarterback for the Redskins, you know, that they drafted number five out of Tennessee back in the day? Uh, oh, my gosh. He was like in the mid-90s. I'm just, Not Gus Farratt? No, he went into politics, too. You're going to know who it is. Oh, it's driving me crazy. I'm looking it up. I don't even know. Went into politics. Yes. He was the University of Tennessee quarterback. Uh, University of Tennessee quarterback. Yes. <laughs> Hurry up. <laughs> the pressure's on. Keith Schuler. Keith Schuler, number five. Kerry Collins, my man KC, number five. You know um, what else you got? Who's the Yankee that's number five? Oh, number five for the Yankees is Jolton Joe DiMaggio. Ooh. Uh, Joe Flacco is five. Oh, I forgot about Joe. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater was rocking five. Right. Uh, good fives. You got any uh, Rutgers players with fives? Quincy Doobie. <laughs> Only the best player in the history of Rutgers basketball. No big deal. Okay. How about that? Tim Tebow wore five with the Patriots as well. Right. And I think that's where we need to end with a great uh, dual sport athlete rivaling Bo Quincy Jackson. Quincy Doobie averaged 25 points a game in the Big East as a junior. Can wow. you believe that? That is pretty impressive. At Rutgers. Yeah. I mean, nobody else was scoring the basketball on that team. No. Man. Marquise Webb couldn't score. Did Rutgers make Whew. the tournament? No. Since 1991, no. <laughs> it's been that long? The last time that Rutgers basketball played in the NCAA tournament was the March before I was born. How about that? That is actually... You are a curse. Man. I am. You've been alive. Haven't made the tournament. St. John's and Rutgers. We, we can fill out NBA teams here in the tri-state area, but we can't get our colleges to get it's any, keep it in. I will players. cry tears of sweet joy when I see Rutgers' name come have up Have you guys picked your brackets yet? Do you have what team's going all the way? I don't uh, yet. I'm, I have so I'll do many it tonight, upsets, though. So many good upset picks. Who's your championship? Uh, I don't know. I haven't picked mine yet. Oh. I just have so many good picks. I'll show them all to you tomorrow. I really oh. don't want them. I, brackets are the worst. Bracket The day after brackets... And uh, the day after a lot of people's fantasy football drafts are my least favorite. Did things. you fill yours out, though? Just let no, me hear. No, not yet. I'm no, but I know I'm going to have win it all. I'm going to make the kids and the wife do it, too. Yeah? Yeah. 
mean, they got as good a chance as me. I That's know so nothing true. about college basketball. Like, I, if I turn on basketball, I watch NBA basketball. It's unbelievable. The worst day for talk radio is the Monday after Selection Sunday when everyone, like, reads little blurbs. Oh, like, my gosh. Gonzaga never makes a run. Well, they shouldn't have been a number four. They should have been a five. Because I haven't watched all year, but this thing I read right here says they should be a four. Not yeah, a five. I love when like, teams talk about being criminally <laughs> underseeded. It's like, look, you got to win six games anyway. Or the radio people have no clue what they're talking about. All God, a bunch of curmudgeons over yeah. here, guys. It's That's March Madness, I'll, dude. I'll just the thing about oh brackets. God. The thing about brackets. Uh, I'll never forget. So Jordan Schultz, uh, who we've had on the podcast before, son of Howard Schultz, and also uh, columnist, and he's our uh, college basketball analyst, was walking through here last year, and uh, someone in the office, Villanova was a two seed playing a 15 seed, and uh, Villanova <laughs> won the game. And someone in our office was like, yeah, I had him winning in my bracket. And Schultz got like visibly upset, and he was like, yeah. It's a two seed. They're supposed to win. And it's just, it's funny, though, because everyone gets involved. Everybody does a freaking bracket. It does. And uh, if there were brackets in NFL, it wouldn't matter because the Patriots are going to win it all the time. <laughs> uh, we're, I want to start off with free agency. We have a lot of news and notes to get to. We didn't get to talk about Alshon last week. So we have to talk about the Patriots, Martellus Bennett, all this stuff. Uh, but also, first, let's get to some Twitter questions. Well, before you go into what you were going to do, I just wanted to say Peter Edwards at Peter E. 1995, he said, why don't teams listen to you and stop trading with the Patriots? It's like teams want them to dominate again. Uh, we literally... Let's go text me. He's like, I guess nobody listens to our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> it's unbelievable. The uh, Panthers trade Coney Ely for, in essence, like a 15 15- Pick swap. Uh, Cooks goes for the uh, last pick in the first round, Brandon Cooks. Um, they're able to sign Stefan Gilmore. Today they re signed Dante Howard. They added Rex Burkhead. They signed a guy like Lawrence Guy. Yeah. Um, it's been the perfect offseason for the uh, New England Patriots. Hashtag killing it. Yeah, but the Brandon Cooks trade and the Coney Ealy trade to me were criminally unfair. Yeah, well, they're amazing. I mean, Coney Ealy, what, he's going to be going into, what, his fourth year here? Yes. So basically they have him for one year, and if they want him more than that, they could pick up his fifth-year option. Uh, or no, I don't even think he has a fifth-year option because he was a second-round pick. Right. So, uh, But regardless, yeah, he's great. I mean, you lose Jabal Sheard in free agency, oh, we get a kind of a bigger, stronger man version of Jabal Sheard right. and Coney Ealy. I mean, Coney and Ely, towards the end of the year, Jabal Sheard wasn't your main guy anyway. No, he, he was not. The whole second half of the year, he really wasn't. So that's phenomenal because Coney Ealy is one of those guys that could do a lot of things. Again, he could be a 4-3 defense end. He could do a little 3-4 defense end and two-gap just a little. Yes. You can even stand him up as a 3-4 outside linebacker. That's amazing. Lawrence Guy is the one that I think really people don't realize how good he is. I mean, another... What was he, where was he last year? He was in Baltimore... Lawrence Guy, defensive lineman. Look up Lawrence Guy's uh, profile. I mean, I'm guessing he's, what, 6'3", 305, 3'10". 6'4", 3'05". Right, so there's a Baltimore guy. So they get him and Ely. They got two more monsters in the front, Malcolm Brown, Trey Flowers. Right. uh, And, of course, you have Ninkovich coming back. So they're going to be fine in the front seven. And Hightower, the most important guy. Uh, he comes back, pretty good deal. I think it was $19 million guaranteed, 43 and a half over four years. So he's getting about $10 million. The Jets were said to have made a push late for more than $12 million, but Oof. you stay with the Patriots. Yes. Um, interesting that he was trying to get more. I saw Mike Lombardi tweet. He goes, you let Dante Hightower go out there, realize there isn't a market, so that when he signs with you, it's n- you don't get that upset because you know that you actually got to see the market value right, out there. Right, right. Um, 
Just the Cooks trade, do you think that you've been saying for a long time you can see the Patriots going out and getting speed yeah. because you think Brady can throw it again right. now. Um, is Cooks better than Edelman? Cooks is more explosive straight line speed than Edelman. Okay. Um, he's probably explosive, a little more explosive in general. But, man, to say he's better than Julian Edelman in general, no, I, I'm not, I'm not so going to go out and you would still take Edelman over Cooks? No, I mean, if we have – I'll say this. If we got third and six and they're both in the slot, I'm taking Julian Edelman. Gotcha. If we got third and nine and they're both outside, I want Brandon Cooks. Gotcha. So gotcha, that's gotcha. because Cooks has got a little more straightaway speed. You're going to have to respect the deep ball yes. a hair more than a Julian Edelman. Yes. Uh, but in theory, again, they can do both, and Cooks will fit right into what. What they I love do. about the Cooks trade too is for people saying, "Oh, are you going to be able to sign him long term?" Your Super Bowl window is there. Yeah, and it is closing. Right. I know that you want Tom Brady for five. You're probably getting Tom Brady for two or three. Right. He might get injured. Who knows? You get him the guy this year. Let's try and get six. Let's try and get seven. No doubt. Brandon Cooks can be that guy when Edelman's contract comes up. Right. Plus, it gives you leverage when Edelman's contract comes and up. And it gives it gives them leverage for Brandon Cooks because Brandon Cooks' statistics will never be through the roof. They'll never be what they could be with the Saints because they're going to spread the ball no, around. That, no, that's the same problem we have with the Saints. So. Brandon Cooks is just playing for teams with so many weapons don't forget Malcolm yeah. Mitchell could take a jump next yeah you're year. right that's a good point um, but I, I look at the Patriots and uh, it's unbelievable these teams that are making trades we talked about on the podcast last week you brought up a great point make Belichick draft mm-hmm. he wasn't going to get Brandon Cooks with the 32nd pick in the first round and mm-hmm. if he knew he wanted a wide receiver he just went out and got it yeah uh, the one move that the Saints could do that could really be interesting you said this yeah go out and steal Malcolm Butler mm-hmm. and make them draft yeah and if they make this trade, apparently it's the Saints and the Texans. Both are more willing to give up a second-round pick. But if the Patriots are in the Super Bowl this year, last year their starting corners were Malcolm Butler and Logan Ryan. Logan Ryan. Yeah. If they were to take Butler, their starting quarterbacks would be Stephon Gilmore and Eric Rowe. Right. That's scary. Yeah. That is a weakness in the Patriots. That changes what they're able to do defensively. Mm -hmm. Malcolm Butler and Logan Ryan, we can go man to man. Yeah. Look, I know that Stephon Gilmore is really talented. Right. I don't know if he's Malcolm Butler. That's what we're going to find out. Yeah. And Malcolm but- Stephon Gilmore will be a lot better with Malcolm Butler on the other side. For anyone that's telling me that Eric Rowe is going to be that good, no. get out of here. And I think they've told you your answer. They think they value Stephon Gilmore more than Malcolm Butler. It's very interesting. So, uh, listen, Malcolm Butler is a high-effort guy. He would be a guy that I'll say this much about. You know I love him. I think he's one of the yeah. five best corners in football. But I think he's also a guy that, it's, he's a high-effort player, and when it falls off, it could fall off quick, gotcha. uh, if that mean, it makes any sense. Yes. I mean, yep. If I showed you Stephon Gilmore running a 40, it's just like, oh, I'm Stephon Gilmore. I'm cool. My right. arms are pumping. Right. You know, Malcolm Butler's from 40. He's going to be like, okay, and then he's going like, to make intense faces and grind it out. So the, mean, other, the other side of this is <laughs> – I should have taken a video of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I like about them going up and maybe making this trade is you're taking away a piece of the Patriots, and if you think he's a starting corner and they desperately need one, mm-hmm. you're doing the rest of the league a favor. They are. Which it's not their duty, but I appreciate it. I think the Saints have had a very good offseason. Larry Warford, Nick Fairley, A.J. Klein. Yep, they're kind of uh, guys. They've gotten some good big guys up front. Um, I just, my question is, is these other GMs, is it panic when you trade a Brandon Cooks or a Coney Ely and you're not getting that much in return? 
what where does this panic come from from these other GMs to make these deals? Well, I, I, they I want to get something for their guy. Yeah, something for their guy. And I really think, like knowing Sean Payton and everything I know about it, I, I really think he probably took it very personal that Brandon Cooks was complaining about get, not getting the football during mm. the year too. Just everything I've known about him from that standpoint. So he looks at it, and I, I think, listen, I know a little John Gruden's philosophy. John never really wanted like I don't need three top end receivers in here. My offense is good enough. If you just give me kind of like one good guy and then I'll figure out the other pieces gotcha. for receiver two and three, I'll get them open anyways because I'll shift and formations and We've all We've always these. said this. Sean Payton, spend your money on the defense. Right. Do that. Exactly. Yes. Give yourself an offensive line. Get some defense. That's all you really need. And they have enough talent at receiver and tight end as is to catch the ball for Drew Brees. Exactly. Uh, so they don't need that type of guy. Since you mentioned the GMs, Adam, Matthew Joe at Matthew Joe 2000, he asked which new GMs are proving their worth. So any of the new GMs that you've been particularly impressed by or just any GMs in general that you guys think are, oh, are okay. having good off seasons? Yeah, uh, let's see. I should have looked up the list. Of I'll GMs. say that your guy uh, in Detroit, is it Bob Quinn? Bob Quinn. Bob Quinn going out there and getting TJ Lang and Ricky Wagner and building that offensive line for Matt Stafford. I think it, it, I mean, re, talk about that offensive line that he has now. I mean, it's, it's special. I mean, you look at that offensive line, you go really on paper right now, it, it, it's in the conversation for one of the five best in football. When you got Swanson at center, you got Tomlinson at left guard, you got TJ Lang at right guard, and now you got rookie Wagner. The left tackle, you got the rookie. Eric Decker. Uh, Deck, Taylor, no, Decker. Taylor Decker, excuse me, the first round pick out of now, Ohio State. Now, if they get State. a running back behind that, we might actually be able to see the offense have some time back there. Yes. Part of the problem with the Detroit's offense, I thought last year, year was not only was it three seconds because you have no threat of play action right you have marvin jones that can go deep he just didn't have time no no, no time because nobody even cared about their run game. yes what and now if they defense? focus on defense in the draft it could be really interesting yes i mean you really look at detroit they have done some good things they probably could use another secondary player they could probably use another edge guy off the the uh the the, the as a pass rusher yes. I, I do believe delvin's taylor still out there as a free agent so they haven't re-signed him yet who's going to be that other guy across from Ezekiel Anzio because Anza didn't have the greatest year last year. Right. The other guy that I really liked would be uh, the Browns. So it's a second year GMs, but mm-hmm. them going out there and getting Zeitler and Treader and building their offensive line, exactly re-signing right. Batonio and yeah. having Joe Thomas. Yeah. Uh, and then um, I, I think a lot of people are going to say, I can't believe you didn't keep Terrell Pryor and you brought in Kenny Britt. It was a value play. Um, and I think Kenny Britt to go up and get it kind of guy. But he I is. think overall, f- if they can get Miles Garrett on the defensive line, building the lines, that's yeah. what you need to do with these teams. I like it. And I, I, think I, I, I also think that we both like what the Jaguars are doing. The ja- I mean, how It's just hard because you don't want to keep giving them the offensive or the offseason MVP awards, but... Talk about their defense. Yeah, now. I mean their defense. I mean, I, I think first of all, and you know, I we've talked about this, you and I, but like they've made a great transition of we are this Atlanta, Seattle, you know, Jacksonville, the Seattle scheme where we're based on speed, not necessarily size. Well, Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone are from the Bill Parcells school tree, school of coaching tree, and they believe in size. So they probably looked at that team. The first thing they said is, like, we got to get some men out here. We can't be like the smallest team on the field week after week after week. So you got a Calais Campbell. You got a Calais Campbell. You got a Barry Church at safety. Right. You had an AJ Bouye AJ across Bouye from corner, uh, yes. corner. You got Watford, the guard from the uh, Arizona Cardinals, right. right? So he's a big body. You traded your your soft tight end Julius Thomas for Brandon Albert at left tackle. Right. So you got Stefan Charles as another. D- 
uh, backup defensive tackle who was, I believe, in Detroit last year. The year before that, he was with Buffalo. Good little like third, fourth D tackle sure. to put in the rotation. So yeah, to me that shows me that they go. We we yeah we get a lot of talent and speed out here, but there's going to be like four games a year where we're going to play Baltimore or we're going to play the Pittsburgh Steelers in that offensive line yeah. or New England and go. Speed doesn't mean crap in this game. We got to hunker in there and right. not be physically pushed around, especially with the Tennessee Titans. I was going to say the, the Titans Texans. game on Thursday night. Right. They just show that you they, can get pushed around. Exactly right. I, I thought by matching the question marks with an Abouye with the solid leadership of a Calais Campbell. Ooh. So you have like the one year guy in Bouye, but then you get a guy like Campbell. I think the Jaguars can be great. With spending all this money, they spent all this money last year, too. They're trying to create a Super Bowl window yeah. to match all of their draft picks that they've made that have been good, like the Jalen Ramseys uh, and their linebacker. Yeah, Miles uh, Jack. Miles Jack yep. that has turned into be a great value find in the second round. Yeah. Just going to come down to what happens at the quarterback position, and I hate having these conversations with the Jaguars because that's what happens. Yes. Another team that I was surprised got a lot of signings was the Ravens. So they re-signed Brandon Williams. They signed... Danny Woodhead and they win the Tony Jefferson sweeps. Yeah, that was big. Tony Jefferson back there um, with that safety combo now. Yeah. Um, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, Eric Weddle. Eric Weddle. They can do anything. Yeah. Woodhead is a nice back out of the backfield. We know Kenneth Dixon's going to be suspended for four games, but you know they're they're getting some interesting pieces there. I I feel like the Ravens are still in the hunt. Yeah, but I also think that they're missing a few key pieces. They are. They got to still look at the corner position, right? I mean, hopefully they can do that in the draft because that's one area I look. It's also, at. the multiplicity of Tony Jefferson. But I agree. yes, right. I mean, Jefferson can do a little bit of both, but I think at the end of the day, you want him at the safety. The, the one I want to hit on right away is the guy you talked about at first, Brandon Williams. Brandon Williams is the best player on that defense. People mm. don't really realize that because of Suggs and there's Doomervilles and there's a C.J. Mosley. Con, yeah. Right, so it's C.J. Mosley or Brandon Williams. Those are the two guys that if they want a future and like here's some younger, established guys that we know can be the core of our defense, those are two great guys. Brandon Williams, he got a bigger contract than the Snacks Harrison did yes. with the Giants last year. He's big time. I mean, he's definitely in the conversation for the best run stopper in football. Love the Tony Jefferson thing. The thing they need to do, Tao, is, and I'm just going to look up where their salary cap situation, I know it's not great, but they're 28th in football. Uh, they got 11, uh, oh, no, they got, they got uh, basically $5 million in, in room to spend Man. there. Now, that's not a lot. But the one thing I'll say, too, that's kind of interesting is there is some – value out there still at the corner position. You don't have to go get yeah, like... take a look at who interests you still right Morris now. Morris Claiborne and Brandon Carr right off the bat. They're free. I know they're not like you don't want them to be your number one shutdown, but yeah. they're starting corner caliber. Brandon Flowers is out there. Yeah. So there's guys out there that you can use to hold over for a year or two to improve your overall depth at the position. Um, those are the big names to me. Uh, I'm trying to go through the rest here just to let you know. I mean, uh, you know, Patrick Robinson's not the worst thing out there. But, yeah, after that, those are the guys that kind of stick out to you as far as uh, could add some value. Nikel Roby Coleman, he could be in that conversation. Yes. Um, 
But in general, yeah, they'd still need a few holes they got to fill. Um, well, the signing that I was super excited about, Alshon Jeffrey to the Eagles on a one-year deal, and it ends up being not $14 million. It ends up being like $8.5 million. And he, if he gets to the playoffs and does all these things, then that all kicks in. Same with Terrell Pryor. Dude, like I was happy with one for 14 for Alshon. I love the idea of getting someone like Alshon in here for a year. Yeah. The fact that he was willing to take less commitment because he wanted to prove himself as perfect. He had the suspension. Mm-hmm. He had the injuries. Right. But I think Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith moving Jordan Matthews into that slot position, I think Alshon, if he ends up doing well and he really wants to be with Carson Wentz and he comes out and goes, I think Carson Wentz could be a Super Bowl MVP or just an MVP and Carson yeah. comes back to him and goes, I don't care about MVPs. I just want to win Super Bowls. Uh, I like that Carson Wentz is out there publicly like welcoming all these yeah, guys. Yeah. I think it's I think Carson Wentz has a tendency to throw high. Alshon Jeffrey is the kind of guy that likes the ball thrown high. Right. Um, I think it's a really nice move. It takes a lot of pressure off of the running game as well. They still need to address that there. But I think overall, I think it was a very great signing for the Eagles. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, I mean, he certainly was the number one receiver on the market. He's in the prime of his career. You guys got very fortunate to get him at that number. I mean, we talked about it on Facebook Live a little, like, poor Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, the year he's about to break the bank is the year he gets suspended. It's the year he gets hurt. So, you know, unfortunately in this business, too, the NFL, they don't look at your body of work. They go, you're in year six. Let's not watch all five previous years. Let's just watch last year. And last year the film was not going to be overwhelming because they had quarterback issues. And like you said, the injuries and the suspension. So he never got into a groove. But regardless, he's a good route runner. He's got better speed than even I gave him credit for last year in free agency. Yes. Uh, because I went in that with somewhat of a definitely lesser view of him and came out feeling like, okay, wait, he's better than I've given him credit for. I mean, for. I'm looking at it like this. The law of average is a beautiful thing. If you go down, you typically bounce back good and you settle somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Alshon Jeffrey is coming in highly motivated to get paid, also in a prove-it, sort of like Antonio Gates came out last year after his suspension. I'm going to prove you wrong. Mm-hmm. Torrey Smith, everyone says he was a bust. His coaches were Jim Tomsula and Ch- and Chip Kelly. Yeah. So he's coming to a real system that I think gets guys open deep that they, they just didn't have the players to actually do it the last few years. And Jordan Matthews, I think, is settling in nicely. And now he doesn't have to be the number one. No. And you have Zach Ertz. And you have Darren Sproles. Right. And you have an emerging Trey Burton. I think the Eagles offense is starting to come along. And I'm seeing a lot of mock drafts where they're saying, take a wide receiver at 14. They need corners. Jalen Mills is the their starter right now they need quarters the other signing that i'm super excited about mainly because of honesty is martellus bennett to the green bay packers <laughs> and the reason i love this is this martellus bennett knows aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the game that's why he went there mm-hmm. he also just played for belichick and josh mcdaniel's offense week eight or nine which is when we always get the relaxed he's speech, gonna say something who is better to talk about the lack of creative play calling in the Packers than Martellus Bennett? He's got no fear. He's got a Super Bowl ring, and he's got guaranteed money. 
He is in the perfect position to prove us right and our preaching in the last three years that the offense sucks and they're wasting the Super Bowl window of Aaron Rodgers and his capabilities. Aaron Rodgers prime. How many more years do you think we have of prime Rodgers? Like three more years? We're talking, yeah, like we're talking scramble out right, throw it fifty yards, do it by himself. Yeah, that's it's really probably. I mean, dude, if he's getting hit like he was in the Falcons game, it might be one and a half. (laughs) But it's three years, and Martellus is trying to enjoy that. Yes. It does scare me that all the players are leaving Green Bay. The Langs, the Treaders, the Lacys. They're all going somewhere else. Right. Um, but I'm I'm excited. Just in, I think it's great to have a weapon for Rodgers. We saw how great he could be when they had Jermichael Finley. But more importantly than anything, someone that's gonna go, hey, what the fuck? Like yeah. this play calling sucks. If they're three and four, he's going to say something. He will say and something. And I will love it. And even if his stats are phenomenal, I think he would say something regardless. Now, that's going to be the problem, though. If they're like week, it's week eight and they're six and two, and he'll probably be like leading the NFL at the tight end position yes. for receptions, he might not say much. He might just more than more or less in that situation tell you how awesome Aaron Rodgers is instead of kill his offense. Yeah. But uh, yeah, to me, that's it, one of the best signings of the offseason to this to this point. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, the way he can throw the football, the way he can fit it into small windows in the middle of the field, and really the big thing is it's going to make those receivers a lot more dangerous too because that's really the thing we saw that they were missing even with Jared Cook being there and he's not Martellus Bennett, how much better the offense was once they got Jared Cook involved and that's really like the Jermichael Finley days, all that. Aaron Rodgers is just too talented of a thrower. He's too good off a play action not to have a legit pass-catching tight end and, of course, Martellus Bennett can really block. How, how quickly after he gets the playbook is he going to realize the difference between Green Bay? Really and, quick. Okay. Really quick. It's not going to take long. He's going to go through the first week and go, okay, things are detailed here. And, you know, they're on their screws here in Green and Bay. And this is all I have to do? But they're just, he's going to, exactly right. He's going to go, but, man, this is, this is all, these three formations, huh? And just these five routes, this is it, huh? I mean, it's that obvious. It, it, yeah. it will be to him. To a guy that's cerebral, that's been around and understands, and especially mm. after your new in New England, you, you you go away going, oh, they're not doing what New England was doing. Other than Green Bay in general, I mean, I, you know, again, I don't really know what Green Bay is doing. I mean, they got one running back on the roster right now. How is that even possible? I don't, well, they I, proved I really last year they don't need a running back, Yeah, right? they don't. You know, that's <laughs> you're exactly right. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was 90 yards away from being the team's leading rusher as well. I, I hope they grab one of these young running backs and put them back there because I do think when Eddie Lacy and the tight end are going well, that was a really good combination. Mm-hmm. I think it's very telling that T.J. Lang said when he signed with Detroit that he wants to tell Stafford about some of the pre-snap read stuff that Rodgers does. Huh. You can't pass that on. You either got it or you don't. Yes. But I think what I like about Martellus Bennett is Rodgers is a guy where we know the playbook sucks, but he goes out there and he moves pieces around. Yeah. And Bennett is a piece that when you shift him, it tells a lot about the defense. Yeah. You can move a Cobb, and you can move a Jordy, and you can move a tie and they'll adjust, but Bennett is a guy that you focus on. And the pre-snap reads that that will allow Rodgers will be huge, but also the 50-50 matchups. Yeah. I mean, that first preseason game last year, we were so excited about Cook, and they were moving him out wide a few plays. We never got to see them do that during the year. No, they really did Because he gets banged up so much because it's Jared Cook. Yeah. But Martellus Bennett will be a guy that he'll be able to put on an island and go, guys, back shoulder. We got a freaking linebacker out there, and he also. I'm going to the guy. Yeah, he hasn't. Other than Jordy, he hasn't had a lot of 50 50 guys that he trusts. No, Devonte Adams took steps forward. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 
what's the guy that made the two catches against Arizona, and he hasn't been consistent since? Oh. Jay. Janice. Oh, Janice. Yeah, right. Jeff Janice. Janice was a 50-50 guy, but he couldn't rely on him. I said this about the Patriots. The reason I loved Bennett was he was a 50-50 guy, and yeah. he caught a 50-50 ball in the Super Bowl. No doubt. Uh, and I think that's huge. Uh, last thing to wrap this up is um, Eddie Lacy. I think this is an awful signing by the Seahawks. I know that you think that he's going to be part of the depth. I agree. I think that Eddie Lacy is soft. I don't think he cares that much about football. It's been too much of a track record. It's not only the fact that he weighs 267, they need him at 240. It's his drinking habits it's the p90x stuff it's how he blows up during the season he seems like a nice guy i'd shoot the shit and talk music with him but i'm not bringing a soft running back that looks like marshawn lynch to the most badass locker room in the league that wants marshawn lynch and probably still isn't okay with that i know cj Procise is whatever but if dude you give if you put blood in the water sharks are going to feast and I think Eddie Lacy is about to go to Seattle. I like that. This is personality shit. Mm-hmm. You could be right. Uh, Have you like the Tampa Bay locker room is a lot similar to Seattle? Yeah. Were there any soft guys that came in there that got eaten alive or toughened up? I don't want to assume these. He might toughen up. Was there anyone that came in there and went, "Oh shit, what did I just walk well, into?" Well, I mean, I always tell you like Keyshawn was not a f- part of that mold in general. So he was there when I got there. They won the Super Bowl, but yes. they kind of got his butt out of the door. Yes. Uh, in general. But, I mean, Pittman was a road dog. No doubt about it. Yeah, you're going to fit in. The, you're, you're either going to adapt to the culture or you're going to be out of there in a hurry. I, I just I don't think Eddie adapts. I, I think might, that's where we are. He I, might I've not. seen enough to know that. I mean, look, if Eddie Lacy comes out next year rocked up and ready to go, I just he's, he gets hurt all the time. Yep. He never plays at the right weight. I, for me, I'm there's, just. There's two things you got to take into account, I think, when you just talk about this in general. Please. Your concerns are extremely valid. I mean, I'm not sure I would sign Eddie Lacy to my and team. And he's either. coming from a team with maybe the a top three offensive line to like a bottom 10 offensive he's line. He's coming from a team. Even that, with the signing of Luke Joker. First of all, there's a lot of crossover. I bet you they know Eddie Lacy. The Packers, the Seattle Seahawks have had a lot of interchanging front office okay. people over the years. The Packers have had to play the Seahawks a lot, too. So the sure. Seahawks have had to tackle them and see them in person. So there must be something there they like. And then to your first point, yeah, I think that really we got to get our mind out of the fact that, no, they're not looking for him to be like 300 carries and a 1,000-yard rusher. They just want him to be uh, a guy at the end of the year that maybe has like 400 yards total rushing. They want uh, dirt short situations. Do you think that C.J. Procise is the guy? I think they love C.J. Procise. Because that Patriots game was incredible. But injuries have been his issue his whole career. Going back to Notre Dame as well. So I think that has to concern them. Thomas Rawls, again, was banged up again this year. So that's concerning. Yeah. You know, so I just think they looked at it overall as good depth. And then $3 million, again, I know it's a lot of money, but it's really chump change this day and age For in the, the NFL. For the potential of what Eddie Lacy could yeah, be. Yeah, it's, it's chump change. I mean, literally, it's almost like us out there just going, oh, it's $3. That's what it is at the Seattle Seahawks. They're Man. spending $3 for Eddie Lacy. Um, all right, let's get to – oh, wait, do we have any more Twitter questions before we go the to The other team, draft? the Broncos, I just want to say that. They're a team that's you doing liked well. You Yeah. from Indy. Domata Pecco. Pecco, so you get two just – Run big, stoppers, big dudes, big in, the dudes in the middle. I mean, Kerr's 350. And He's then a Ronald Leary. Ronald Leary and, and Alec Watson. Watson. Yeah, I just like those. They were good value to signings. Me, to me, Ronald Leary is is like the Calais Campbell to the Bouye of Menelik Watson. Now, Bouye is obviously great, but Menelik has been someone that shows potential, never yeah, does it. Right. And Ronald Leary was fantastic last year fantastic. for the Cowboys. Fantastic. I mean, should, would have been starting for every team in football except for the Cowboys, which he was behind Lyle Collins, and then Collins got hurt, and he got to reprove his worth once again. But he is That's, a, that's something phenomenal. that I thought is for the Cowboys to lose – 
Ronald Leary, and then Doug Free retires. So now you have to That's rely. That's what I would like to know. You have to rely on Lyle Collins. Did they know Doug Free was going to retire? Would they have let Ronald Leary go? That's, I, what, that's I would, what I thought. That's what I would really like to know that answer. I mean, I'm so sure So right I'll now you have that, Lyle but. Collins at left guard. Right. And then you're playing Chaz Green at right tackle. Who, let me just say, he played last year. He fits the mold. I'm telling you right now, yeah. I am not picking the Cowboys to win the East because. Oh, I'm picking the Giants. I, I look at the Cowboys, and I remember after the Green Bay year, oh, they're going to be great. Remember, they had no injuries to their offensive line. Romo, Murray, Witten, no injuries. Yeah. You look at this team, no injuries to Dak, no injuries to Zeke. They were able to overcome their injury to Lyle Collins. The rest of their O-line was fine. It doesn't happen a lot in the NFL where a unit like that doesn't get hurt. No, it's I scary. I subscribe to the law of averages more than anybody. The Eagles were banged up on the O-line. The Giants were banged up on the O-line. I imagine they'll be somewhat healthier next year. Yeah. I know that's not great analysis, but I, I just think when you have an entire year where your O-line has got five guys, that never happens. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. That's very dicey. What do you want to say? I was just going to add another question. Yeah. You ready for it? Yeah. You yeah. got something else? Uh, no. Colin Curley at Undercover Eagle wants to know, are we going st- uh, to start seeing teams dump players with bad contracts to other teams for draft picks and players? Cleveland Browns did it with Brock Osweiler taking on 16 million uh, former GMs from a baseball team making an NBA-like trade in yeah. the NFL. Uh, I think the key there is you need to put in those draft picks so that it makes it seem like that. But they got to hit the floor. These teams have to hit the salary cap floor. I think it's a great strategy that uh, I think is really great in the NFL. I think it helps out. It's freed up a Super Bowl caliber team in the Texans to make some moves. Yes, and I love it for the game of NFL. It's only just yeah. Now, do you love it if you're the Browns or you're yeah, a Browns fan? I love it if I'm the Browns. Fan. I mean, the only thing that money's coming off the cap next year. Yeah, you get a second round pick for it. You weren't going to use that money anyway. I don't think that these teams have to spend these money on right. on locking up. Uh, a cornerback for five years that maybe isn't that good. Yeah, I mean, they did this with a Dante Whitner. They did this with a Carlos Dansby. They had to spend the money, and they spent. They gave maybe too much money to guys. Yeah, I mean, but they, yeah, they let Dante Whitner come in the game and let go of guys that had talent. That's where I go, like T.J. Yeah, well, Ward yeah. at the door. Well, but hopefully, their talent evaluators are better. Are better. Yes, and they've no done doubt. a good job. But yeah, yeah it's. Uh, you're right. I mean, it is an interesting concept. I, I don't know if it'll become an oncoming fit. Uh, of course, it's going to take a team always that has a ton of room that can spare 16 extra million dollars for no reason as well. Yeah. And the Browns had that. So that's that's the interesting caveat there as well. But right now, it also looks like they're going to be stuck with this guy and $16 million. And I understand the second round pick of the value. I'm just throwing this out there for conversation sure. worth because I don't even know where my head is with this. But at the same time, I would have gone, man, you know, Calais Campbell would have looked good in Cleveland at that extra sixteen million, or or Jonathan Hankins, or a Benny Logan, yeah. or some other different makers. But I think so their thing. Your I think I I like when a team is honest with where they are. You only pay for a Calais Campbell or a Jonathan Hankins yeah, and dish out that money if you're in the window. They're not even. They can't even fucking see the window. So the Calais, I'll agree with you. Hankins is Hankins is in year five. I mean, it's, yeah. He, he has but you're gonna more. have to pay him a shitload of money. And I think they're looking and going, okay, we'll get, we'll get Miles Garrett. We get another second round pick. It's another lottery ball to hopefully get in something for the future. Yep. Um, I just I, I like it because, like like it's better than what the Eagles do. The Eagles just cut Chase Daniel and ate $5 million. Like, why the fuck did you just cut him? 
You couldn't have found anyone to trade him to and maybe gotten a fifth-round pick for and not had to eat that money. I, I so the Eagles yeah. just cut their players. I don't really get they it either. A lot. They, like, what they do with their players, they just get rid of them. At least the Browns were like, let's take this money. The $16 million comes off the cap next year. Yep. I think it's a smart move overall. One yeah. more question before you get to your draft stuff from our same guy, Peter E., 1995. Uh, this is more just a process question about the NFL. Do teams know what they will be doing in the draft before free agency or will they adjust their draft boards after free agency? Almost always adjust after free agency. They have a plan of attack before they get into all of it. Like, hey, we'd like to address this and this in free agency, and we pick here and here, and hopefully we can do that. But, of course, free agency doesn't always go as planned, right? So, uh, But, yes, free agency is the first thing that is going to be figured out. Like, like uh, the front office is all over and done with free agency started January, right? They kind of know where they want to go as far as their upcoming plans as long as, that's, as long as that's concerned. And then as soon as they get their heads around that, they kind of start to move to the draft from there, and the coaches are a few weeks behind. Like I told you, like coaches were on free agency right before the combine. They're figuring out all those things before the combine, and then the combine is really their introduction to here's the college kids. I know you've seen a little film of these yes. guys, but here they are in person, and now you can meet them. Uh, one thing that I totally forgot happened. Did you see the video of Zeke pulling down the girl's top? And I Marty did. Grohl? What, yeah. was your, what is your take on not just that, but the reaction to him doing that? Well... I mean, okay. I want the real shit. I don't want this PC answer. Oh, well, with me, I know. I'm so PC. I mean, that's what I do usually, give you the PC bullshit. So that's how you get it. <laughs> now he's pissed. Don't say something inappropriate. I know. No, say mad. something inappropriate. Okay, my first thought is this. Um, he's a young kid with money, and he's messing around with a girl that he obviously felt comfortable enough to do that, and... That's okay. That was my Apparently first thought. Apparently they're traveling together. But, right. So then the second thought is, though, come on, man. You also know you got a little history here with domestic violence and women, and you don't yeah. want to hear about that. So why even go down that road? But then my next thought after that is, it, like, and I saw this yesterday on TV somewhere, too. Like, if Gronk did it, we'd be like, oh, it's cool. It's Gronk being Gronk. No problem. Now, I know he's had no other charges back yes. in his history, but then I see last night that there's a video of Gronk from two years ago pulling down a girl's shirt in the middle right. of nowhere. So I, I, it's, it's a, I don't know where I stand there, really. My thing is this. Just be smarter, Zeke. That's all you can say. Yeah. But my, my take is this. Cell phones have changed places like Vegas and New Orleans. There used to be times where you would go down New Orleans, and I'm not saying that's acceptable or not. I'm not saying taking your shirt off for beads is acceptable or whipping out whatever you got. Yeah. But there was a time where it was it was an oasis free, and people went there to be crazy. Yeah. Now people are just hunting. They are. They're hunting. People are using their phones. Like my thing is is. Yes, should he have done that? No, that was stupid. But the whole, like, let me record everything in case a boob pops out and I can take that home, like, you're a creepy motherfucker. No doubt. And I've always, like, that's why there's no freedom down in New Orleans. You don't see people having fun and drinking and dancing. Everyone's like, where's the craziness? I need it for my content because my IG. So what happens is is he's he's showing Zeke and he rips it out. And that dude immediately contacted TMZ. TMZ is going to pay you anywhere between five and $10,000, depending on how many people have access to the photo, how big of a celebrity it is. And... 
So I also understand why people record yeah. because there is a cottage industry. Mm-hmm. But then we have our celebrities that are getting upset because people are recording them and making money off of it. Uh, or something like this where um, I haven't heard from the girl. I don't know how she feels about it. Um, is it stupid? Yes. Um, but he's also a 23-year-old in Mardi Gras, and he's probably seen clips of this his whole life. So no, yes. I, don't, I don't judge him harshly on this. Um, at the same time, I also don't know what really happened with his domestic violence, so I don't want to stand by him yeah, completely. Yeah, I get you. Uh, so quarterback ball velocity. We're going to get to combine stuff. we got like four things to hit on. Uh, the quarterback ball velocity numbers come out. The question I have about this is, is there like a drill where they just have them throw it as hard as they can, or is this monitored throughout the drill? No, no. Know? There's actually a drill where you go into a little station, and they have like a setup to where you throw it hard. and. Yeah, you can almost do whatever you want to throw it. Like, I know going back, I don't even know what I threw. I think I threw, like, 58, maybe okay. somewhere in there. So the, but, yeah. But going. I wish I would have done, like, I kind of tried to do it, like, legit. Like, here's my five-step drop, and here's my hitch and throw. And I look back at it, and I she go, just won the yeah, I should have done, like, the Andrew, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, like, spin out to the right and got myself in a position to really be like, Flip. I'm going to throw this thing so hard. So the velocity numbers came out. Uh this is the uh, the quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes threw it the fastest at sixty, mm-hmm. and you found that to be impressive. Well, yes, definitely impressive, but not surprising. I mean, fifty nine was Davis Webb, not surprising. Fifty six to Sean Kaiser, right? Fifty five Trubisky and Evans, mm-hmm. uh, fifty three Peterman, the kid from Pitt and Kaya, and Deshaun Watson with a forty nine. Man, I know. I just I would love to see the video of what he actually did there because uh, it, is that bad. 49's a little bit, yeah, that's bad. That stinks. That's concerning. I don't think you're going to see any quarterbacks that were drafted in the first round that threw 49 as their, as their like total speed. Now, like I said, I'd like to see the technique he used. Now, I'm not overly concerned because I've seen enough throws to where in the game film it looks like the 60 mile per hour is there. He can mm. let it go. So I don't know what he really did there to try to make that happen. But regardless, uh, yeah, 49 is is definitely low for the standard of what we're holding Deshaun Watson to. Does that make you go back and rewatch a guy or does that make you does that make you more confident in your evaluation of Mahomes and Webb? No, it's um it doesn't make me actually change a whole lot. I feel like I saw enough throws out of Deshaun Watson in person to go, man, when he wants to let it go, he can let it go. Okay. I'm actually looking at my combine tape right now. Um, and seeing at the very end if Deshaun Watson, what he did, if they show the actual miles per hour throwing. Oh, is there that drill sometimes on tape? There sometimes is. So I'm watching him do his five ten five. Because if nope, you see it on tape, there. if you see it on tape, you'd be able to tell like was he dropping back and throwing? Yeah, like was what just, was he doing? Yeah. Like what did he do to take his? What was his approach to it? I mean, you, you could do so many silly things. You could sit back there, take a ten step drop, and then hitch up like you're going to throw a hail mary, and then just try to throw the ball as hard as you can yeah. instead of trying to do something legitimately like a quarterback. Isn't, isn't this one of those things that just doesn't really? Yeah, I mean, no. To me, if you're going to be really smart and you want to know how hard a guy throws, there's a radar gun move to the stands when the quarterbacks uh, throw to the wide receivers gun them every time they throw three balls and then they go to the back of the line so gun them for their three throws and then see if you can find a consistent average throughout 
the out throughout the workout to yes. tell you a little bit. Like, what did he throw on a slant? What did he throw on an in cut? Those are the type of routes you're going to know, like what kind of arm strength he has to be able to throw it in there. We've reached an interesting part of the mock draft process where when you look around, uh, in the beginning, you always have quarterbacks slotted early because it's people guessing. So there was a lot of mocks early with Mitchell Trubisky going to San Francisco. I've seen Deshaun Watson going to Chicago. But now we're at a point with their performances where a lot of the quarterbacks have fallen out of the top 10. Yeah. And we're starting to see the really talented defensive guys taking all of their spots. Right. And one guy that has moved up, and I know you're a little bit upset because you've been high on him for a while, yeah. is Solomon Thomas. Man, I didn't realize Matt Miller has else. him four to Jacksonville. Daniel Jeremiah has him two to San Francisco. You think in your elite evaluation, you haven't done corners yet. Yes. You haven't done some wide receivers, wide receivers yeah. and those guys could jump and up. Tackles, but I know they aren't strong in tackles. But you've done a lot of the defensive guys. Solomon Thomas for you is right up there with Miles Garrett and Leonard Fournette. He and is. that's your elite group. Like if you said strength. the three best players I've seen on film right now, yes. Miles Garrett would be one. I would probably say Leonard Fournette would be two, and Solomon Thomas would be three. So you still need to see Jamal Adams, the safety at LSU. Yep. Malik Hooker, you've seen a good a amount of bit. at Ohio yep. State. I haven't seen any of these um, corners. The corners, so we'll need to see them. But right. of just a lot of the front seven guys, you think Solomon Thomas, how far away is he from Miles Garrett? Uh, uh, oof, they're different type of players, but Miles Garrett's a special. So Miles Garrett is a Jadavian Clowney. Solomon yeah. Thomas is a Michael Bennett-ish type of player. Okay, yeah, he really is. So He's... you put Clowney in a different level than Michael Bennett? I do. I think as a prospect coming out, if we were to evaluate them from when they came out of college at yeah. that point, yes, they're they're in a little bit of a different class. So, in what general. is Michael Bennett, and why is Solomon Thomas like him? Yeah, um, Michael Bennett. First of all, is like maybe one of the quickest, craftiest interior D linemen in all of football, right? So, if you're there's a four three scheme in Seattle, they play him at defense end on first and ten, the strong side defense end where the tight end might be. Usually, yeah. he's going to be over there because he's got strength of a D tackle, so he can hang up, handle a tackle tight end double team or do whatever handle himself in the run sure. game um, but then his ability to slip gaps his get off off the line of scrimmage and you think Solomon Thomas has all these traits I, I do I mean one of the first things I wrote was heard the compare I'll read my first line because he was like the fourth guy I watched out of the pass rushers and I wrote right away kid is as advertised heard Michael Bennett comparisons and they are justified can play all positions on D-line, has great get-off, always first off the ball. I'm, and then I say, not like legit pass rusher type, but more like Bennett Malik Jackson. Like He's not explosive as Miles Garrett coming mm. off the ball. I mean, that's, that's again, those are special human yes. beings. But his ability to get off the ball, to replace pulling guards, to split a double team, and then for a guy that's 273 to hold his ground against double team is what I find amazing let alone his ability to get off blocks. Mm -hmm. He is never blocked. If you watch the Notre Dame game, which I'll let you borrow my iPad one time, you don't need to see the highlight clips. If you watch play for play, you're going to go, damn, is this a highlight or am I watching the game? Wow. Because he is in the backfield every play. The other name that's being mentioned as the other top three defensive lineman is Jonathan Allen. Yes. Why do you have this kid convincingly over Jonathan Allen? <sighs> All right. So I just think this kid's a little bit more of a playmaker. I think he's a little 
little bit better overall specimen, right? And um, everything I've also heard about the kid off the field is he's top-notch. But, I mean, uh, listen, his movement, uh, his drills at the combine, of course, opened my eyes. But then when I go watch the film and I go, oh, wow, I mean, his combine, it matches up exactly with the film. It's not like, oh, wow, he ran this time really. He ran 4-6, yeah. but he plays like 4-9. No, no this is like this is like the opposite. It's like he's almost a little faster than everything you would see. And Jonathan Allen, listen, I don't think Alabama did him any favors. They played him everywhere on the defensive line. So you never he never got in a routine to be like, I'm a three technique for 40 plays in a row. Right. It was defense end for the first 15 plays. Then it was nose tackle. Then it was the five technique and a three-four scheme. Then it was back to three technique. Do back you to like defense that or end. do you not like I that? I mean, I do like it because it shows his versatility. It shows all the things he can do. But I think at the end of the day, Jonathan Allen is not a 3-4 guy. He's a true 4-3 technique. Uh, tackle, de-tackle. Yeah. And I wrote, I think at the end of the day, I think Jonathan da- uh, Jonathan Allen, excuse me, is more of a, he's a uh, our guy Aaron from the Donald. Rams. He's an Aaron Donald type. I would say he's a little less explosive and quick, but a hair more stout at the point of attack. So you, can see, so you see Jonathan Allen as a less explosive but more stout Aaron Donald. Yes. And you see Solomon Thomas as a lesser explosive Michael Bennett. I think he's actually a more explosive Michael Bennett. Wow. He's better than Michael Bennett was coming out of college. Yeah, which, uh, you know, I love me some Michael Bennett. I mean, he's as good as it gets. Wow. But, yeah, this kid is is special. I, I don't know what other way to say, way, way to say it. Solomon Thomas. Solomon Thomas is uh, the guy to watch out. When you look at the top There's ten. There's no way he goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, so number two is San Francisco. I mean, just would be the ultimate fit. Chicago at three. No. no. Vic Fangio at three, four. Jacksonville at four. No. Jacksonville's got Malik and Calais Campbell. Tennessee needs secondary guys. Yes. The Jets aren't going to take him at six. No, I can't. I mean, that would be Chargers at seven. Chargers at seven. I mean, that could get interesting. I mean, it's Gus Bradley. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's that's, that's the true. guy they need. They don't need these. So, so that the, would be the guy. That would be so I would Solomon look at 49ers Thomas. is really being the number the one. The reason spot. it's interesting is one of your other takeaways is you think that this is a very underwhelming pass rusher group. From what I've seen so to this point. So if teams in the NFL needed pass rushers, it was not the offseason to be void of them. No. A lot of teams locked their guys up, the JPPs, the Melvin Ingrams, uh all the the guys down in uh Tampa Bay got re-signed before they hit the market. It was not a year to need pass rushers and you're telling me in the draft, it's not that way either. I, I don't think so. So let's go through them. Yeah, Miles Garrett, you think is a stud. Yes, number Solomon one. Thomas, you think is a stud. Stud. Um, Tim Williams was the. Uh, uh, and they're Allen, not even like on, Jonathan th- Allen. Do you think he's a stud? I do think he's a stud. I think he's a top five pick. I really. But he's do. not he's, a pass rusher. No, he's an interior defensive no. lineman. And neither is really Solomon Thomas. He's I mean, an interior. He's, so these are not your traditional edge guys, right? All right, Tim Williams, yeah. Alabama right. thoughts. Tim Williams, uh, to me, is. You know, listen, I've seen him uh, mocked at the end of first round. You know, I've seen Mike Mayock. He's top five pass rusher. Uh, Listen, I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole. I don't mean to say that disrespectfully to Tim Williams, but – I just think really? when I look at him, first of all, what's the number one concern I have? You know me, just knowing me. He doesn't start for his own team. So when you don't start for your college team, yes. uh, I know it's, of course, they got Jonathan Allen at one defense end and the other kid that was in the combine, number 22. Uh, he's their other de- defensive, uh, what's his name? Dalvin Tomlinson, right? He's the other guy that starts at defense end. 
Tim Williams only comes in in passing situations, so he's well-rested and ready to go every time there's a mm. passing situation, right? He doesn't have to deal with the grunt work of the SEC. i got to handle double teams and Leonard Fournette coming to me. Right. No, he always gets to play in the optimal environment. And to me, when I really look at it, I'll just read you through my notes real quick. I'm sorry, everybody. No, please. But he d- I wrote this. The first, first thing is he doesn't even start, doesn't even come in to the first third down. You can see his quicks and explosion. It's definitely better than his four six eight combine time. Be interested to know what his weight was during the year. Two forty four at combine? Question mark? Question mark? Question mark? He was listed at two thirty six in college. That's I, I would think he is somewhere in the two thirty range, which and is concerning. It I'm, does not. I'm translate. literally only looking at pictures of his legs and ass right now. Thank you. Look at his whole body. Look at his arms. Look at all of it. So uh, I. What wrote, do you think about it? I wrote. I really don't like his body. Um, he looks tiny. He looks pretty good in his uni, but when you get a look, a really close look, you go, there's no muscle density, very narrow hips, and never seen a good pass rusher with that type of body. And so you're thinking he's a Mingo. I think he's a Barcavius Mingo. To me, I don't even think he's a defense end. I think at, at the end of the day, I would try Little to make... linebacker? Yes, a 4-3 will linebacker. That's been the new thing, man, just taking these DNs that have no like ability to get around I the I don't tackles. think like that translates. Like, you can get away with that guy in college. It's not going to translate to the NFL. It's a different animal blocking at the tackle position. Yes. Most of the guys he played against in college will not be in the NFL. Now he's going to be going against like 32 of the freakiest humans he's ever seen. On he, a consistent on basis. On a consistent basis, right. So, yeah, I wrote that. Um, I said... Uh, speed is good. So is explosion. Best thing he has going for him is his hands. I thought his hands were uh, pretty. They they were pretty advanced for a college kid. Um, he has better strength for his size than you would think. Um, but I'm not sure it's realistic in the NFL. Once again, like to say he's a four-three defense end, and the first time Rob Gronkowski mm. and Nate Solder double team him, he will be 15 yards down the field. That would be my concern with that type of body. Uh, and then, yes, I just think uh, I also wrote it's very easy to be fresh and strong when you don't play a ton. Yes, uh, would love to have seen him every down. Um, no, but, so that's that's yeah, so that's noise. that. The but, other name yes. that I see in the top ten all the time right now, three of the four mock drafts on NFL.com have Derek Barnett of Tennessee going in the top ten. The fourth has him going eleventh. Uh, where does what do you think of this kid, Derek Barnett? Yeah, uh, I was not in love with him. Again, I don't think I'd, he's definitely not in the top ten pick in my eyes. No way, in no shape or form. I would question whether he's le- actually legitimately a first round pick. You, I, so you're thinking all these guys got in the top ten? I think they're you, overvaluing because they see I, pass rusher and they you see said size. I would not take him in the top ten. No, I definitely would not. And I'm, I would. Que- I need to finish my class, finish my work first before I can tell you where if yeah. he's a first rounder. But my early inclination would be to tell you that I don't think he's a first round talent. I love how he looks in his uniform. Him. He's not jacked enough. There's not enough muscle. He does have a good lower body. Um, he has a body like a Shane Ray. You remember Shane Ray when he came yeah, out of Missouri? Of course. It's like a good looking body, but it's not overly defined. Man, anything Shane like Ray that. Both the hell. Um, he's, he's so he's six three two fifty nine. Yeah, and what did he run in his combine? What he, did he ran run? a four eight eight forty. He had a thirty one inch vert. He had a six nine six three cone. So four eight eight. That's concerning right off the bat. He's two hundred and fifty nine pounds. He ran 4.88. Miles Garrett is 13 pounds heavier and ran 4.68. Solomon Thomas is another 15 pounds heavier. He ran 4.6 something. So uh, to me, that doesn't speak of explosion. Um, 
you know, I, 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 he's got some naturalness to him coming around the corner. He's got some good bend and some handshake, but I just don't think he's got enough explosion and enough like first step ability to turn the corner and be a legit like first round pass. You rusher. had those same concerns about Noah Spence. Uh, I did exactly right. Like no, people thought I was crapping on Noah Spence last year because he was the guy that was he's going to be the number five pick. You see his arms, you see his size. Oh, uh, you see what he ran on the forty is top five, no doubt. No, I mean he's not because a lot of those measurables didn't translate to the film on the field, nor did his body makeup translate mm. to a guy that I've ever seen. So uh, yeah, to me that is the question that I were. I wrote he's a poor man's version of a Shane Ray or a Robert Ayers. Remember Robert yeah, Ayers? Yeah, of course, Tennessee, right. down in Tampa Bay. Right, he's Can't a play he's a, a bit the Giants. He's back in Tampa. Right, um, he's got some good strength. He could probably play some three four outside linebacker. So you don't see him as a first round pick. What no. about uh, to carry? Karis McKinley I, from UCLA. You know, Takaris McKinley is big, strong, uh, had a good 40 time. I understand that. I don't see that either. I so really you don't, don't see McKinley as a first-round pick or Barnett or Williams. No. So you really see Garrett and Thomas, who will likely be gone in the top five. Jonathan Allen is what for you, a top ten? Yeah, maybe even the top five. Okay, so, yeah. so you have the three guys, but again, two of them are interior. Miles Garrett plays all over the line. Yeah. And the pass-rushing specialist, Tim Williams, Derek Barnett, Takaris McKinley, you don't see it in the first round. I don't. I mean, listen, you, the last thing I wrote is not a first-rounder. This is for McKinley. Yeah, for McKinley. Uh, you know, if Crash in, he can anchor there in the NFL. Uh, what, do you do, what do you not see from him? Well, he's got, I mean, his pass rush, I mean, his ability to rush the passer is very underwhelming. I mean, there's, there's nothing of turning the corner, scaring yeah. tackles with his speed around the corner. All right, I'll just go, you know, hey, good-looking body, not great. Uh, doesn't have a great legs and ass. I do like his arms, though. They're long as shit, I wrote, because they are long <laughs> as crap. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, uh, let me just say, strength. Uh, strength is good. Really, what he is is almost like a... Remember Owa Magbe Odigizua? Of course. He's kind of that guy. Like, he's... More strength for his size, but kind of stiff and doesn't have a natural ability to come yeah. around the corner Dude, and get after people. And three quarter inch arms. They jump out at you when you watch film. You go. He's a six two two fifty guy around a four five nine. Um, he's definitely a little stiff. Not. I don't think he can even do three four outside linebacker. I think he's a true four three defensive end. Um, he's got a good mo- motor and play strength. Just not a fluid, bendable athlete. Kind of plays like a crash end, I wrote. But he's 250 pounds, which I underlined. Because a crash end at 250 can be a little scary. Again, right. You're going to have to deal with guys like Olivier, I mean, uh, not uh, Rob Gronkowski and Solder. Yeah. Um, then I just wrote, uh, just doesn't jump off the screen enough for me athletically or with plays that he makes. Good player, want him on your team. Probably will start somewhere in year two or three, gotcha. but not a first-rounder. Um, kind of reminds me a little bit of what we were saying about the UCLA kid that got drafted by Green Bay at the end of the first round um, last year. Oh, yeah, Kenny Clark, right? Yes. Kenny just, Clark just was a needs tackle. To be, needs to be developed. Yes, like it's just not – it doesn't jump off the screen at you. Now, if you know something about the kid and you know he's a great worker and yeah. all those things, hey, listen, maybe there's some value there. But I'm just talking about a pure athletic standpoint. You're treating Hassan Riddick as though he's a middle linebacker. I Granted, am. you still need to watch Charles Harris. I do got to watch Charles so Harris we'll, and the kid Carl Lawson. Lawson. from our uh, But what about Jordan Willis at a Kansas State to uh, wrap up the past yeah, I mean, he, all right, he was the freakiest guy at the combine, right? Like, re- read, like, his profile, because that, that is, it's, 
I didn't know anything about him until the combine. And you had to go back and check it I out. I just had to I got to see this kid. I mean, his workout was like through the roof. I mean, what he did. So 64 255 right. a 45340 a 39-inch vertical, a 6853 cone. Man, and 24 reps on the bench with 33 and a half inch arms. I yeah, mean, everything he does, everything looks amazing. looks amazing, right? And then you turn on the film and you go, and then you have Bill Snyder calling him the epitome of Kansas State football. So you have like this old curmudgeon goes, not only is he athletic, but he's my kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, it's like the thumbs up from the old dude. Hey, listen, he's a specimen, a specimen in his uniform. A uniform. I he wrote was that Big right. Twelve Defensive Player of the Year, which of course we know can be mean crap, shit. right? I yeah. mean, the, the, yes, uh, but he did have 11 and a half sacks and 17 and a half tackles for loss. So yes. Stats and the, and no doubt. And right, listen, sometimes like who's our guy from Chicago last year? The um, Floyd, the first rounder. Yes. He was the guy that went to the combine and blew it out. And I Leonard said, Damn, Floyd, Leonard Floyd. I got to watch the film. And I turned on the film and I said, Whew, yeah, this kid's movements match what he did at the combine. Right, so what did this kid's? This kid, Jordan Willis. I wrote, wow, he's a specimen in his uniform. Has a body that really looks similar to Miles Garrett, but he's definitely not the same caliber. And I underlined it twice. Um, you know. <laughs> It means a lot when he underlines it twice. It's like a, it's like a poetry jam. Uh, uh, you know, his first step, explosion, quicks, they're just not there. First of all, he's a really long, striding, lumbering type of guy. Gotcha. He's, he, there's really no twitch to him in general. It's funny on NFL.com, his weakness is straight line mover, very deliberate as a pass That's rusher. exactly what he is. I mean, I wrote he's, he's definitely a little stiff, straight liner. He's very long strider, just a, not enough twitch to be a legit pass rusher. Looks like a crash end. Looks like a Jared Audrick type player mm. in my mind. So, again, that's not what you're looking for. For if you're looking for a pass rush. No, I mean, to me, th- this guy, to me, needs to just, you're not going to be the explosive killer around the edge. Put 15 pounds on and become an awesome hybrid defensive end three technique. That's what I would tell this kid, Jordan Willis. Um, but he will get bigger. Y- you know that. Um, and I wrote that. I would tell him to get bigger. He can move inside a little more at four at four five three at two fifty five. Be two seventy and run four six five. Okay, uh, it will be better. You'll have a better career. That's what I wrote. Doesn't get off blocks that well. Speed to power, nothing special for someone with such great measurables. Just disappointed as a power and his ability to get off blocks. Maybe this kid can be something, but he needs work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote, maybe he's like David Irving from the Dallas Cowboys, right? Wow. Well, you that know? sounds great Right, now. which took three or four years to, to come to fruition. You're right. You're right. So uh, there is potential, but not excited about him right now. And I don't know if there's enough high-end potential to look at the film and go, I'll risk a first-round pick on this type of guy. Because you know, you know what player reminds me of that? Um, the one that the Eagles drafted, Marcus Smith. Sure. Or Marcus even like, Smith was the guy you were like, you know what? We need a pass rusher, and we can hopefully this guy pans out. Him, Cornelius Washington was the other freak from Georgia who the Bears right. drafted a few years ago. Same thing. I think he's now. I think he's moved to the Detroit right, Lions. So look, so there's not a lot of pass rushers in this draft that you think really jump off. the Not page. in my eyes, and I know I'm at the early stages. I'll let you know if more jump out to me. All right. So the only other thing that we want to do with the draft today is ever since the beginning of the year, O.J. Howard, everyone talks about as being the number one tight end. Uh, It is a very good year for tight ends. You have a manual that's very interesting uh, out of, that's his name, right, out of Mississippi? Uh, Angram. Excuse me, Angram out of Mississippi. Right. Uh, And and Koju? Joku. Joku. I believe the end is silent. And you have, I'm seeing uh, in these mock drafts, O.J. Howard going 12. Uh, O.J. Howard uh, in the top 15 going 18 Alabama. 
You think Joku's better? I do. I'm not mad at that either, though. I think O.J. Howard still can go there. I think people are going to turn on. O.J. Howard's film is a little underwhelming, okay? Um, first of all, they, they're kind of a spread offense with like a power run game, right? Right. So he doesn't even really get to be a traditional tight end all the time. He doesn't get to l- run the traditional tight end routes. Everything he catches is usually a flat or a bubble screen. Nothing like middle post or like tight end Y out, like right. 10 yards and run an out route like you see Gronkowski you do none of that you don't get to see a whole lot of that now listen he's special to be that size i don't think he's 251 i don't care what the i know that's what you want weighed in at the combine i would love to know what they say he weighed during the season right i would bet you he's more in the high 230s uh 241 oh, you think he's thinner i think he's thinner yes i think he's bulked up and he drank nine pounds of water before he weighed in at so the it's combine. 242. Right, there we go. That's what I would think, which in is probably a lie, too, which is, means he's really about 238. And to me, um, that is what, you know, listen, he blocks, of course, because he's for Nick I mean, Saban. Sims literally walks through the office and today pointed at someone went, you lost three to four pounds. And they're like, I don't know. Like, he just pointed at someone. Sims looks at me, and, and he'll go, he'll go, you probably lost a pound or two. And I'm like, all right. Like, that's, he just looks I just, at people's I, I don't even understand how that's possible. I don't know. I guess I've seen a lot of people in my day. Um, Clearly. But Howard, first of all, I think he's going to be slightly overdrafted. Just because of the measurables. I mean, yeah, listen, he can run. The, the, the mother effort can freaking run. Yeah. I mean, there's just not many guys we've seen that just run around Clemson and, and oh, turn it up That's the true. sideline for 70 against Clemson the last two years. So there is something to that. Um, now, he's yeah, not four, great with five, the, one. Yeah, he's not six, great six, with the ball, hand, ball in his hands. That would be the first thing. I wrote verse to run. He is solid but not great. He's willing blocker. Um, he's a get-it-done blocker. But I do wish he was a little more aggressive as a blocker and with the ball in his hand. He's a little bit of a straight liner, right? That's what you even saw against Clemson. He caught the ball in the flat. He just turned up. And, oh, I could turn the corner and I'm faster than you. He's very good at that. But I don't see him make people miss. I don't see him run through arm tackles. But I do think he's a guy that will thrive more on an NFL team than he will on a college football team. Did Lane Kiffin use him right? No, I don't think they did. But they they, they were hamstrung. They had a rookie quarterback. And they had to make do with what they had. They couldn't do the traditional. Alabama pro style, right? So all those things kind of hurt him. Uh, but I, I do think he's a top 20 pick regardless just because of the size-speed combo. And he went to Alabama, and he's going to get it done blocking. And I, like I said, I think he'll be better as a traditional tight end in the NFL. And now to the Chris Sims Joku. Listen, Joku would just be my guy. He'd be the guy I would want for my offense. Now, first of all, Joku is 6'4", 246. He's five pounds lighter than O.J. Uh, Howard. No, yes. he's not. I don't really give a damn. I guarantee when they go to their visits that Joku will line, weigh in more than O.J. Howard. I would guarantee really? it. He's just a naturally bigger man in general. I was really impressed with Joku. Uh, Joku, first of all, he's very long-legged, really good-looking prospect. Um, he's more. I, that's. I looks naturally like a bigger man than Howard. That's what I wrote. Don't think he accelerates as well as Howard, but I think his top end is very comparable. When he opened it up, man, he could go. And he's got more wiggle and shake to his game. The ability to run the ball. When he catches the ball, he wants to do something with it. Right. And he's not afraid to be physical with it. He's certainly a better blocker than O.J. Howard, if I was really? going to get to that. Yes. This kid is a true, if you're looking for a tight end uh, with great pass game value, he, he is the guy to me. I think he's a more complete tight end than this O.J. Howard. So you at this have point. him as a top 20 pick as I well. I do. I think he's a top 20 pick. I would rather have him than, than O.J. Howard. I don't know what they are like in the classroom or right. as people, uh, but just strictly off of film. You know, I wrote like, 
I wrote. I've seen everybody compare the Joku guy to Greg Olson, right? That's what I'm saying. I know. That's what, you know. They went to Miami, and I like the cross reference black white guy. That's yeah. cool. We're down for that. But um, I, I honestly think he's even a little more impressive physically than Greg Olson was coming out. I really wow. do. And I and I think a lot of Greg Olson. He really reminds me the way he runs, the way he runs with the ball after the catch. He reminds me a little of Travis Kelsey. He's got a little shake. Ooh. He's got a little. Oh, I caught a bubble screen. I'm gonna stiff arm you and spin out, and then also get up field for like 10 more yards. Man. That's the thing I was impressed by. He's got incredibly long arms, this kid. 35 and a quarter. When he locks him out, it's over. You ain't moving. I don't care who you are at defense end. He's got some str- true strength advantage there. Um, and I just thought he was a nat- more natural, fluid catcher and adjuster to the ball and athlete in general than O.J. Howard. That's just my, my thoughts. Uh, you watch the Ingram kid, too? Ingram kid, I mean, in a long story short, if he's, he's there at 32, he's going to the Patriots. Or it's the Saints now, well, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's he's going to go there, too. Because he's, he's Aaron Hernandez. He's Jordan Reed. He could be Quincy Inunua, right? The guy that ended up, sure. that's the, the Jets. Jets. You you could say this kid could just be an oversized slot receiver, mm. or you can make him your tight end slash. Uh, and the tape H-back. pops. The tape pops. He pops right away, and I would say his blocking not great at 234 pounds, but I wouldn't say it was any worse than OJ Howard's. You know, he was willing to throw his body around. He he got it done most of the time. It's a really good tight end group. It is. I'm excited to watch the rest of these guys. I got to watch the kid from. Bucky Virginia Hodges Tech. I got to watch Jake Butt. Yeah, I got to get all. I'm going to get after all those this weekend. Man, uh, so it's interesting. So an underwhelming pass rusher group, but expect Miles Garrett, Solomon Thomas, and Jonathan Allen to go in the top ten. Remember, Miles Garrett's the only one of those that would probably play on the edge. Solomon Thomas uh, sounds like a lock. We might be having Garrett and then Thomas. So all this talk about quarterbacks, we'll wait and see. You have Joku. Above O.J. Howard because he's got a little wiggle in the hips. Yeah, I think he's and, a better blocker. And in terms of quarterback velocity, you're a little concerned with Deshaun Watson, but on tape it looks good. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, like I said, I'm not going to go too much stock It's just another, it. though, little nugget just a little for this web, but I, also for Webb. Right. The kid out of Cal might be something that you get that third that third round pick on and use it should be interesting. Yeah. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Twitter. Adam Lefko at C Sims QB. Uh, I'll make or at also the uh, the Twitter account for the podcast. Swat us at Sims and Lefko. Um <laughs> And at Josh Vendrick. Nothing? All right, never mind. Oh, I don't he tw- didn't even hear I didn't know I if yours was J- I don't didn't tweet. I don't think so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you'd like some really good buzzy info on Maryland and Rutgers hoops, hit up at Josh Fedrick. Mostly field hockey talk, uh, actually. Thank you for subscribing on iTunes. Also hit us up wherever you can download uh, podcasts, um, and please leave a review. It helps us get out there and get found more often. Love you guys very much. For Sims. Peace out, homies. For Fedrick. Good night, everybody. I'm Lefko. Enjoy yourselves. <laughs>